Hey, yeah. I am. I am. <laughs> so, um, you have something to tell our listeners, Darren? Well, I bought a fiddle, didn't I? You bought a fiddle. And I'm pretty pretty happy with my decision. It's been the talk of the steamy. It has. It has. Yeah. Well, it's been from your banjo playing compañeros. Uh, it's been some interesting. But it's about, I don't know, like the banjo playing is brilliant. And I love I love I love playing banjo, but it definitely serves a different purpose. And I think my struggles for the last couple of years, really, to to get the the style of banjo I was playing to start working in the Irish tradition, it was just an easy barrier to entry for me. It was a good excuse not to do it because it was difficult, and it was other things I enjoyed that were easy that would come easy to me. So anyway, took the plunge and said. I've always had the inclination to draw to the fiddle. It's probably I've got other instruments out there. Sorry to <laughs> to Sean when I kind of flirted with the idea of getting a set of inlum pipes. I looked into the price of that and that became a bit uh, cost prohibitive <laughs> straight away. But the fiddle was always in the background. I love um, old time American fiddle tunes. I love Irish fiddle tunes, and I just thought the hell with it. I just I turned forty. Seems like a good uh, a good adventure to set out on on a yeah. on a milestone. Yeah. I thought. I've been playing banjo for six years. If I'm as good on the fiddle as I am on banjo, which is not very good, but for me it's a pass, within six years, would I be happy? Uh, six years is going to fly by. I just, That's uh, the way to look at it. Well, I think, it's, I don't know. I think That is, is the way to look at it. No, seriously. No, seriously. Like, I think um, the midlife crisis decision not to buy a red sports car and <laughs> to buy a fiddle <laughs> and to sit in my back living, shed. So <laughs> there's a lot about the kind of person I might be. You're living on the edge here. Yeah. That's, that's but it's exciting. I'm but sorry. not the whistle. Why not the whistle? Well, it's you've, so you've much got that territory. You the, <laughs> you've got that. I could I've never. Beginner, beginner tin whistle. I'd always be in your shadow. Cornered. <laughs> You would, you yeah. would, very small shadow. Yeah. Well, you recently got your new a whistle back. I got you? a whistle that um, I got a whistle that was the first sort of expensive whistle that I ever got, which oh, uh, my on. wife Elisa bought me um, for ninety or a hundred US dollars, and it's a it's kind of brass body with a plastic mouthpiece. But uh, it got lost at a friend's cabin on a on a carousing weekend about three years ago, and it was lost in the woods. And then we found it again. And we were like, brilliant! I found the whistle. This was we found it on the Friday. It was like I can't believe it, it was over by the the big stack of wood. <laughs> kind of, Says a lot anyway, about you. Yeah, we found it. Brilliant whistle found by the Sunday whistle was lost again, <laughs> and that was another two years. And then they found it inside, like actually inside the body of the couch. Wow! And so how you got there? And that's the knows? last place you were. But there, but there, but there it is. <laughs> Typical. I spent a lot of time on that couch. In think. the couch. Yeah. So, um, so there you go. So I got that back. They just came to visit and I got that whistle back. So now I have like, I have literally five different whistles. Oh. None of which I can play. So, it, But it's not about whether you can play them or not. It's how they look when they're left out on display. Absolutely. That's, a, that's very, very important. So We have a huge episode coming up. So I just want to do a little bit of um, housekeeping just at the very tip. Um, thank you to the people that went over to Patreon. Um, we actually had a bit of a drop-off in the last few weeks, and that's understandable. And it's understandable considering what I'm going to say next, which is we we need more shares. So our listenership is pretty much kind of plateaus at, at around 1,000 listeners. And what we'd love to achieve is just for each one of you 1,000 listeners to tell one friend, and one friend that you think, enjoys the show and we've doubled our listenership in the in the last little while we without listenership no actually hang on what i should explain why why has this happened to some extent well facebook have actually changed their rules recently 
And we are a little bit funny. We don't really use any other social medias. I use a bit of Instagram, but it's not about promotion on Instagram. It's just about getting photos up of the artists. Um, so we're kind of limited to how many shares we can share in the first place. On top of that, too, like me sharing to, I don't know, AM, Ontario, Irish group is a lot less genuine than someone from the Ontario music scene themselves posting it. So this week's call to action, if you want to call it that, is to, if you could share this episode, it's a real important episode too with a a, um, a, a absolute character of the scene who is instrumental in so many people continuing with the music. So this would be a great episode to actually get it and it doesn't matter how you share it whereas a tweet whether it's a facebook post i always believe in the in the having a chat with a mate it just resonates for me so that's it if you can do one thing this week please give it a share i'm going to remind you at the end of the episode too because i know from now you're like whatever darren <laughs> let's just hear the music in the chat so i will remind you at the end so that's it for me anyway so today's guest we should mention is joe fitzgerald accordion player and a singer as we'll hear and I heard Joe playing for the first time about uh, it was last June so June of 2019 but I'd heard his name ever since we started doing this project and actually ever since we started going to sessions around Melbourne and he's not only a, a legendary figure in, in Melbourne he's a very significant figure in the Irish music scene in Clare and in Ireland generally. Um, so we're going to do something different here, which we don't usually do. We're going to go back to one of our earlier episodes because I, I, I got thinking about this and thinking about the significance of Paddy Fitzgerald and Joe, uh, his brother, today's guest. And when we started talking to uh, two of our early guests, Eileen O'Brien and Mary McNamara, who are both uh, very significant figures in Irish music themselves, they had this to say about playing with Paddy and Joe Fitzgerald. So this is the voice of Mary McNamara, actually. Um, and yeah, we're just going to run this little bit of tape from episode four. Well, Paddy and Joe, I come from the same place that Paddy and Joe come from in East Clare. Mm-hmm. They come from a place called Cara Hurley. Um, there is actually another name on the townland where they come. It's it's near Bodike. I come from Tulla. Um, a lot of their family came from Knock James, which would have been nearer to me in Tulla. Mm. So I would have gone to school with all of their first cousins. I wouldn't have known Paddy and Joe Fitzgerald. They were gone to Australia long before I came on the scene. Um, but I've my memory of them is coming back to Clare every now and again and playing music and literally causing a storm when they come back. <laughs> Everybody, people who wouldn't be out for months would come out to hear yeah. Is, is that right? Joe play. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. And not alone would they come out, they'd stay out all night. Mm. Right. Mm. right. The sessions would go into the early hours of the morning. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was it was uh, it was lovely to see you there, and it was yeah. it was amazing to kind of hear um, all four of you uh, together, and um, just to have this sense of um, the the ease with which you all sort of played together. It was it was really lovely. But it was really the music talking that night. Of course, yeah. um, it's that's that's our common thing is music, and when we, people like us get together, it's the music expresses how we feel. Yeah, and it expresses that that warmth of meeting each other, and it's there is almost a sadness there as mm. much as a happiness mm. uh, when you meet people like that, and it's it's emotional, but very happy. That's uh, Mary McNamara, and I think um, 
talking about the emotion there and talking about the, the, the way that music connects people. And I think you're really going to um, appreciate that when you hear uh, what we have now from the great Joe Fitzgerald. And just, I think, Don mentioned, we interviewed Paddy, Joe's brother, a couple of months back. An episode absolutely worth going back to listen to. So episode 14, when you're finished with this one, slip back there. I'll give you another really great insight to the the two lads and their their home life before they left and a bit of a paints a beautiful picture of what that was actually like and together actually these two interviews they sort of come together like companion pieces it's beautiful yeah. Yeah. Right. so all right away we go joe fitzgerald okay beautiful <laughs> Joe Fitzgerald, welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. Thanks, Dominic. Thank you for uh, thank you for those tunes. So, what, what were those reels? That was the uh, the uh, the second one was the um, no, sorry, the, the first one was the Stone of Destiny, and the second was the Chip to Collinstown. Yeah. So, um, where did you learn those tunes? Do, do you remember where those tunes came from? Well, these tunes, um, the 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 first reel there is a Morris Lennon reel. Uh, uh, he's a famous fiddle player, and the um, the second reel 
was uh, composed by one of the Murphy brothers from uh, Collinstown in Wexford, mm-hmm. famous uh, Mount Organ players, uh, harmonica players. Right, right. So I just picked them up on uh, uh, through the sessions and as we go along, you know, <laughs> flads and everything. Aye, aye. Yeah. So, so uh, it, um, we spoke to your brother, Paddy, um, a few months back, and so I was interested to hear your your version of like when you first encountered music like what do you remember about music coming into your house well you mean going right back as a youngster I well the my first encounter with it was was my mother god bless her god rest her soul in the in the kitchen in uh, in the old homestead in in Corrigano the little village of the little valley that we we come from in East Clare, and she um, she produced this little box, uh, which was a, a little melodeon, and put it on her knee, and played a tune on this t- machine. And I was about four, I'd say at the time, around four or five, and um, it amazed me. It absolutely amazed me to see my mam making such a lovely sound out of this little box that she had on her knee. So I said, I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going to play that box too. And that's where it started. So you started on a melodeon, like a single row. Started on a single row melodeon, yeah. Uh-huh. It, it was the um, was the old style playing, the Joe Cooley style playing, you know, and the, as we used to call it, long low, the the push and pull. It's a C sharp D, you know, the the referato, you know. Right. And now, what's the push and pull? So tell me. The about push it. and pull was the uh, it was was was. Uh, it was the old way of playing the melodians and the concertinas uh, that the, the, the old time was played in the mountain. They had nobody to teach them, or uh, there was nobody could read or write music. Even in our time, there was nobody to teach us music. So we had to just uh, plow away with whatever we could get a hold of. And they, they, they learned on the simple key, the, the press, and then a, a famous man called Paddy O'Brien in Tipperary he 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 come out come up with the uh, BC system, and uh, that went like like wildfire. Then everybody would start to get onto the BC system. So Paddy and I finished up playing that system, but we love going back to this the C sharp D or the the press pull, you know, as right. well. So um, th- that so I, I'm going to jump forward a wee bit and then we'll mm-hmm. go back. So so you when you first moved to Australia. Um, and then you went back to Ireland, right? Yeah. Um, Paddy, your brother, told a story about you coming back and playing the BC when you came back. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. So what happened when you went back to Ireland that, that made that change for you? Like, well, what did you hear? Who were you hearing? Well, I went back there and I... And this and would I, have been like 1960s, early 60s? It was 68. 68. I, I went back in 68 for my first trip. Uh, I did 14 of us leave Melbourne here and went back for a trip, so... Uh, it took six and a half to seven weeks to get to Southampton, so you can imagine there was a few tunes played on the way. <laughs> but um, that w- I was still playing the 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 the, the press pull, as we call it, at the time. And when I went back, I found out that uh, Seamus Bugler and a neighbour of mine and uh, more than Matthew Ryan and Toll anymore, and they had gone to this BC system that uh, Paddy O'Brien introduced a great Tipperary man God mm-hmm. rest him he's gone long gone and I said oh I got to get onto that now so I got myself a BC and uh, landed back to Australia 
in 69 or whatever it was with this BC, but it was like starting playing music all over again. Now, what can you do in a BC that you couldn't do before that? Like, what was the appeal for you? Well, the, it probably made made it easier to play some tunes, and they sounded seemed to sound a bit sweeter on the BC. Certain tunes, there's uh, there's horses for courses, as they say, you know, and, and some suit the C sharp D, and some suit the BC. So I opted to go on this anyway, and. Uh, I met Jackie Daly and a few of them down through the years, and he went back to the he went back to the old system and stayed on it. So there you go. And there's a lot of them. Joe Cooley is famous for his B, for his C sharp D. So what right. was it? What was the what was the temperament like when that was starting to happen? Was it was it all just like yeah, this is brilliant, or did it, did it divide? Oh yeah, everybody kind of wanted to get on to the to the BC because it uh, it had this different sound or a, um, a higher sound. And um, do you mean louder or well louder and 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 sweeter maybe right? But um, Joe Burke doesn't you, you might have heard of the famous Joe Burke. He yep. made the BC famous after Paddy O'Brien. Right. And so, he had an al- did he have an album, the traditional music of Ireland or something? Was that yeah, he has heaps the- of albums. I, I, he, he has a lot of albums. He's he's from uh, he's from Galway there from from. Um, uh, Neil Lockray, he comes right. from Joe, a famous man. Aye. But he made see everybody wanted to be in that style then. And, and, and were there, was there was there um, people uh, like I'd, I'd read somewhere that there were there were some people in Irish music in the establishment who didn't like the introduction of the BC, didn't like that style, yeah. felt like it was kind of messing about with the tradition too much. Well, they, yes, it is, and they were they, they were, uh, they were changing it around a bit, but. It made the music sweeter, and uh, and a lot of people opted to to go to BC. So it's it held and it stayed. Right, aye, aye. You know, it stayed. So so come back to when you're when you're a youngster. We used to, it's funny that you tell that story about your mom because when I when I was about fourteen, I went to the music shop and I bought a harmonica. Yeah. To to play in a in a wee band, and I took it home, and my mom picked it up, and she played Down by the Sally Gardens on it. Yeah. And I had no idea that my mom. She just mm-hmm. did it first time, and I was completely. Like blown away. Because like I've never seen her pick up a musical instrument in my life. Right? Yeah, I know. I, so, yeah. um, so I kind of it's a funny it's a funny moment. So then, how did you how did you how did you progress then? Like, were you hearing music from from your other brothers and things around the house? Or well, who were you hearing else as as well out and about? They, we 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 were both learning music. Paddy and I was this, around the same time. Right. And who were you learning from? Well, this is the thing. There wasn't that many to learn it from. But the few of the neighbours uh, played music, but a lot of them played concertina. And um, there was there was one or two accordion players around the place. There was a Willie Brady and Jay Ball, and they played, but they were a little bit of a distance, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, if they had a tune, they'd give it to us. And if we could get a tune off the radio, I remember the first radio coming into our house when I was very, very little, probably six. And then we had the the, the Kelly music come on there, and we picked tunes off of there. And you go to the um, you go to the to the hurling matches and the footy matches, and there'd be there'd be somebody buskers playing there, and you'd pick music off of them. That's the way we had to do it. There was no such thing as a CD or a, a recorder or anything. The first um, first one I ever seen was a was a uh, a gramophone that came from 
New York. It came to Tobin's house and that was the first time I've ever heard music coming from a, you know, a, a disc, a, 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 a record player or whatever you call it today, you know, uh-huh. yeah. And and it was his master's voice. There was a big nick on the on, and a needle at the end of it, and they turned it down onto the onto the the record, you know. Aye. And uh, there w- there was music recorded in America, so we got a lot of de- music from there then. Mm-hmm. And um, the oh, that's the way it happened, you know. Right. Aye. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Yeah. So so um. I think I'd saw somewhere that that you'd mentioned um, that there was a, a few players who were around who, because they were never recorded. Yeah. They they just nobody really knows who who they were apart from yourselves. You know, like who were some of those some of those names of the, those concertina players and things that yeah. that were just playing, you know, just playing away. Heaps of them that was never Aye. recorded because Aye. there was nobody to record them. Aye, of course. Aye. There was no no tape recorders. Um, I reckon the first tape recorder that I ever saw was probably in the in the in the sixties. The uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, and um, there were, in the in the fifty forties and fifties there was no way of recording any of those people, and there were some great concertina players in the mountains. Who, who were they? Like, what were their names? Well, there was a, uh, Mick Minogue. He he was a neighbour of ours. He was a good concertina player. Mrs. Brady and Carol Hardley. Uh, Mrs. Purcell, um, the uh, Frank McNamara from out in the top of the mountain, and uh, I could go on and on. There was quite a few, you know, mm-hmm. but mostly concertina players. Aye. John Tobin, he was a good concert flute player, mm-hmm. and um, well, that's that's the way it started off. And we formed a little band as the years went on. I was very young. I joined the band. Uh, we call it the Bodike Cayley Band, and then then you'd get a lot of people coming in from other parishes, and we got music that way, you know. And, and were you are, are you the youngest boy in the family? No, no, no. There was two younger boys than me. Right. Um. Yeah. John is the John is the youngest. Was the youngest boy. He sadly passed away a few years ago. He was the he was actually the musician of the family. John was brilliant. This is where we had his wake in this room here. Right, that's a fact. He was a he was a jack of all trades: banjo, fiddle, flute, concertina, anything. I battle away with this. And if I catch a fiddle, it's like a churn. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, would you would you would you give us another tune? I will. Um, maybe I don't know if there's a tune from around that time that you kind of think of that you. Pick well, up I'll play you the tune that I heard my mother playing that day. Lovely. And it's called Miss McLeod's Reel. Oh, I. And and uh, that was the <coughs> tune that started me playing music. I'm just going to grab it. Mind you, the tune has 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 changed a bit probably since then. Thank <laughs> you. 
So that was Miss McLeod's reel. Miss McLeod's reel, yeah. McLeod's that was reel. the that was the reel that, that my mum played that day on the uh, on the melo, on the melodia. You know, one one of the things that I, I I thought about when we started doing this project, myself and Darren, was that the the idea that um, that a tune sort of connects you back to somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like exactly. You know, which is. It's a kind of a, I often say that it's a type of a marriage because uh, if somebody plays a tune that you really love, you never ever forget that person and you'll always you'll always uh, go back to that person if you can and meet them and play with them. And that's the way that's the way music works. You see, you make so many friends over the years and when you travel from country to country, it's it's amazing the amount of people that you meet through music that you would never meet otherwise you you'd never ever meet them otherwise it's just that they all get they're downstairs there tonight now and uh, you'd never meet the money for the music mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. so it is a great thing that way yeah i i call, I call it a marriage that uh, you never forget them you know <laughs> some <laughs> maybe i shouldn't go into that i don't know <laughs> Um, so, 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 what was it like growing up for you? Um, aside from the music, right? So, what was life like when you were growing up um, well, in Corrigano? Uh, growing up in Corrigano, life was was wonderful. Well, it mightn't have been that way for our parents, but for us, it was wonderful because it was all this brand new thing, and music started, and uh, fishing started, and. Uh, you 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 learn to hunt and you learn to 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 um, to entertain yourself uh, in the mountainside. What it, it was a wonderful way to come up. We were so lucky to be born into that environment. I think I think we were the luckiest uh, race of people of all my my generation because there was no such thing as videos, TVs, or anything to distract you. You were out in the garden, you were out in the field, playing hurley football, or uh, chasing a rabbit even. And uh, that's, that was, or a fish, and that was, that was my life. And that's, until I left for London, I left for London in, um, in uh, 1960, on the 30th of January 1960, uh, I immigrated to London. And there I found a lot of great musicians as well. But I was I was underage for, for going into into pubs and that, but I used to sneak now and again, you know, and the great Bobby Casey's and uh, and all them fellas, they were in London at the time, and wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful place. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you a bit more about London in a minute, but um, just before you left, so, so um, I, I wanted to get an idea, so... Before you left for London, um, I think had your had some of your fa- your brothers already gone. Yeah, before I left in I left for London in uh, on the thirtieth of January nineteen sixty. Paddy and Tom, my two older brothers, had come to Australia in fifty nine. Right. They had la- they come here in fifty nine. I was actually supposed to come here with them, but I back I backed out of it and um, and I think the parents thought I was a little bit young and they were probably right, you know. So. Were you like 15 or something then? Yeah, I was only 14 when they left. Oh. And then at uh, 15 I went to London, so I didn't make much difference. But I went to my, my auntie in, um, in Stockwell. What, do, you, do you remember uh, why you decided not to go with him? Was it just about being well, young? or the father, was, uh, the father was renovating a house for, for some neighbours, the Higginses, 
and uh, I was I was giving him a handout at the time, and um, and uh, I I kind of opted to stay there with him until such time as he had as he had most of the walls built. It was all stone building, and you had to mix the uh, concrete by hand and all that, you know. So I stayed with him till he got the walls up, and then I headed for London after that. Mm-hmm. That was. I mm-hmm. do you remember when when Tom and Paddy left? Well, I do. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What was that like? That that sort of time, those, those few days when you knew that they were going to go. Like, oh, it was tough. That was tough because you're losing your uh, you're losing your older brothers, and uh, you, well, your older brothers are are uh, are your second uh, parents really because they they bring you up, they teach you a lot of things, and uh, they were into the hurling big time into the hurling and and the music and it was a oh it was a terrible thing to see them leaving i'll never forget that day never forget it they left from a place called the old chapel in ogonalaw and uh i remember putting the hand up and waving at them and that was pretty tough and to see mum and dad the way they had to suffer too you know but that was the that was the way it was in the old days immigration seemed to be the thing you know but uh and I, 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 I would have been right in thinking then that mo- like most of the families around would have had the same experience, right? Seeing, seeing oh, a lot people of them. leaving now. Because when I went to London, a lot, most of my uh, schoolmates were there, so that made it very easy for me. Aye, so you found work no problem? No problem. Well, when I landed in London first, um, my aunt got me um, an apprenticeship uh, piano tuning. Um, on account of her playing the music, she thought, well... Uh, we'll, we'll test try out at this piano tuning. So she did, and she got me into Wilmer Pianos in uh, Clapham Common in London. And uh, I was getting 35 bob a week, and I was giving her a pound, and I'd left me with 15 bob, 15 shillings, you know? Yeah. And Monday, anyway, I was passing this factory next door to Wilmer's uh, factory, and didn't I see where they were advertising for a, a gaffer? For uh, in a steel frame windows and doors to drill, to drill the holes, you know, in uh, with a machine and and I went, and they were advertising for for a, a young lad and I went in there. Didn't I get the job? Never told my aunt about it, but I got four pound ten there a week. Give, told a little bit of a story about my age as well, but uh, I got four pound ten, and of course after a few weeks the aunt seen a bit of dirt on my clothes that she thought was strange and she rang up Wilmer Pianos to see what was the story, what was I up to. <laughs> they said he hasn't been seen here for a few months. <laughs> so I didn't tell you what happened between yeah. my aunt and I after that. Yeah. I finished up in North London then. And Did you move out from your aunt then? I, I, I moved on, yeah. I went up Aye. to North London to a place called Hendon. Right, oh, I know Hendon. Do you know Hendon? I do, aye. And uh, there was a pub there called the Welsh Harp, the Upper Welsh Harp. There was the Upper Welsh Harp and the Lower Welsh Harp, and all my friends used to drink in the Upper Welsh Harp. So they got me in there playing music, even that I shouldn't be in there at the time, but it was all my own people that were in there, and they were actually running the pub, so so that's where I started off playing there. Aye. And I got a job down in Staples, you know Staples Corner? Uh, I don't know Staples. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, North Circular Road. Right. Oh, I know the North Circular Road, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's where I that's where I got my my first job there in in the factory there. Aye. 
yeah, and the music in the pub then on the weekend. So I you, done grand. You never, you never bumped into Kevin Burke on your travels, did you? Kevin, I don't believe I've Aye. ever met Kevin, but uh, you know, because that was uh, we were chatting to him, and he was talking about around the same time, probably a wee bit, a wee bit, a wee he'd bit be before you maybe. Town, I'd say. I would have been now. I'd say he'd be, Bobby Casey was down around Camden Town as well, and and that I, I didn't get down there that much. Now, did you when when you were um, um, seeing those other musicians who were playing in London? Was it a different kind of style? Was it a different scene than you no, were used to no, in Ireland, or not really? It was uh, the 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 one that uh, I really liked in London was Martin McMahon and his wife Teresa. They um, they called themselves the Caravels. They they had you know they they played at different venues and that and. He was a brilliant box player, and anywhere he was, I'd try and be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And we became fairly good friends, and we are still today. He's living in Shannon Airport. He's still going, moment. still he's, going strong. He's still going strong. He's Aye. still, yeah, and Teresa's still singing songs. But uh, there was a lot of others. There was a lot of other musicians there. Uh, oh, there was heaps of them, if I could remember <coughs> their names now. But uh, you could you could go into... A different pub every night and hear different musicians you know Joe, I'd like to ask you about that because I've been doing a bit of research but I haven't probably been doing enough and I should have probably read this somewhere at this stage but recently I've been hearing or figuring out that the session right the session, w- yeah. Yeah, that, that concept wasn't really as popular until the 50s and 60s yeah. and in London played a huge role in it yeah. was there a difference in the style of playing as in the social aspect from when you were at home to when you're in London did it feel different or was it a session happening at home similar to the sessions that were happening in the pub, yeah, London pubs it was more or less the same thing Darren it, it, it was the same thing it's just that you met people from all different counties and they had all they, they had different styles of music every county had a, had a different style that time because there was no niche there was no, uh, there was no way for, for say the Sligo crowd to connect with the Clare crowd or the Galway crowd. So, so they had their own styles. But nowadays, it's all one big, big tune. The whole country or the whole world is really. Did you did you notice that when you were at that age? Did you notice a difference? You kind of went, hang on, this sounds oh, a little bit different. Definitely, it? you definitely noticed the different styles. Yeah. And um, our our style of music was slow, fairly slow concert type music, you know. If you weren't playing for sit dancers or that, but and a lot of other parts of the country, they were very fast, yeah. carry very very fast all together, and play polkas and polkas and slides down there. I couldn't believe how fast they played the music. I I couldn't keep up to them. <laughs> <laughs> I soon got to like it though. Uh-huh. And, and was, was was there a partic- particular styles that, that attracted you and others that you were not keen on? Because I heard somebody saying that they never liked what they considered an Ulster style because they felt like the Ulster style was. I don't even know what an Ulster style would be, but it was a bit. Well, well, I didn't really. I I didn't. I t- I took all. Uh, I took all music, as it was, and I loved it. Aye. And uh, there was flute players in Belfast a long, long time ago that I heard on. Bring down the lamp and uh, and and the mountain lark. The first show is the Josephine Bill Bigley and uh, and uh, who was the McMahon and Tony McMahon. He, Tony McMahon and the he brought bring down the lamp and and Josephine Bigley 
had the mountain lark. And uh, they brought in all the different styles. And mm -hmm. they, that's when you really heard them, you know? Yeah. So, so, no, go ahead. Now the, uh, now the internet and that, you know, the, you're listening to Claire FM here live now and it's going to all corners of the world it's amazing isn't it it is amazing is there do you feel like there's uh, i mean I'm, do you feel that for all the things that you gain because of that 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 there's something lost because those uh, those regional styles well mary mcnamara said that to me when i was at home the last time that we had we had a couple of uh, bill, great old uh, musicians years and years bill Melly and joe ben and Martin Ratchford, uh, PJ Hayes, Dr. Bill Lucknan, they had their own style of music. And uh, that's all gone really now because, uh, because of the internet, you know? Everything's everywhere. Everybody's the same. Right. You, you know, you play a tune in Donegal and, and I play it in Claire and we can, we can listen to each other. Aye. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's... Right. It's it, it was confined to your parish one time. Yeah, or your so, area. So, so how was life in London for you then? So you're up in North London. And London was great, great because uh, because uh, when I, as I said to you, after leaving the ant and that with the thirty five bob a week, and then the steel factory got the four pound ten there. Then I got to Staples Mattress. I got about eleven quid there for a young gaffer like myself, and, and I was getting ten bob a shift in the pub. I was getting 10 shillings Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night. So that was £2 for the music for the weekend. So I was doing, I was making men's wages, you know, at a, at a very young age. So I was delighted with London. I'd never get that chance in, in East Clare anyway. Mm -hmm. Never. You couldn't, it, was, it wasn't there. Yeah. You'd be lucky to get a day above in the bog for, for a half crown. Do you know what a half crown was? And what's that? Two and sixpence. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? You've got to go to Ponce then, haven't you? <laughs> I'm still lost. Um, so then uh, what, was the, what was the seed then for Australia? When did that start? When was that planted? Well, well, obviously the brothers were here, but what was the... There's a big story behind that. And do you want to hear it all? We do. Well, <clears throat> I, was in, I was in London in... Um, um, 62 I'd say it was I was in London and uh, I was up in Hendon still and uh, this neighbour of mine Willie Brady, I mentioned his name to you before he played the accordion he come up to me uh, to the digs and uh, and he said to me uh, I have I have uh, some news that you might be uh, you, you might be frightened to hear and I said oh my god what's happened you know he says no no there's nothing wrong with the family everything is alright at home but he said they're here in London and I said they're what he, he said they're here in London I said my family he said yes they're down but your auntie dealer he said down in Stockwell where I left you see so I, could, I couldn't believe this and uh, I thought he was pulling my leg he said go find a phone, phone box if you can find one working and give him a ring and to find a phone box at that time was a big job and you had to put the money in it you know but I rang, rang the aunt anyway and dad got on the phone and, and uh, he said yeah we're here we're all, we're all over here and I said what are you doing here he said we're on our way to Australia 
and I said, why are you here on your way to Australia? He said, to qualify for the immigration scheme. The, it was a £10 scheme at the time, and, and uh, you, it, it didn't apply to the Republic of Ireland. It only applied, it applied to Great Britain. So you had, you had to spend two years in, uh, in, in England to qualify for the scheme. So he decided to come over and, and, and head away. But what, changed, what made him... I said, why did you do this? And, uh, well, he said, the school is after closing down. That there was John Stephen and Anne Mary going to school, closed down and meant it would have had to go to Tumgrani, but I or, or Ogunla, which would have been five or six kilometres, miles in the old days, impossible from where we lived because we lived in the remote in a remote place up in the mountain, and uh, in the winter time, just about impossible. And uh, Paddy and Tom was here at the time, and they were in contact with Dad. You see and letting him know how the work was like and uh, the weather was like. So he said, we decided to go. And I said, thanks for telling me, you know. I said, that was very nice. He said, I said, why didn't you let me know? And um, well, he said, I'll, I'll tell you why we didn't let you know. He said, because you would have been at the door with the holly stick and you wouldn't have let, let us out. And I said, how did you bloody well know that? I said, I would have been, for sure. And he said, now the ball is in your court. He said, are you staying here or will you come with us? Of course. I went, come with him, you know. So I went down to the Strand the following day and applied along with them. And we got, we, we got on the ship in, in less than 12 months. Uh, sailed for Australia around October uh, uh, 63. And you travelled out together? We came together. I came with the father, mother, and the two and uh, two brothers and two sisters. Right. Yeah, we travelled here together, and uh, Paddy had, Paddy was just married at the time. He, he was just married. He had his first child, three weeks old, Jimmy, and um, we stayed with him for a while until we bought our own place in Spring Street Reservoir, and that's where there was a lot of music played in Spring Street Reservoir. I had my 21st birthday there, and every there was even people there from Darwin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they came from everywhere, yeah. So so what were your first impressions here? Do you remember, like, when you were arriving here? Like, that's a long, a long old trip, you know, and you, you arrived here. So six and a half weeks or something it uh, took us to get here. Uh, and um, you, don't know what you're, you don't know what's ahead of you because you're trying to imagine what it's like. And... Uh, and and uh, strangely enough, we we made our way onto the onto the the herald. It was the herald that time. There was the, there, it wasn't the herald sun. It was the herald paper. And I was I had my sister, my young sister, in my hand, and my mother was here, and we were waving down to Paddy and Tom on the quay when she docked, and didn't they stick us on the front page of the paper? <laughs> so so we made headlines straight away. <laughs> yeah, do you still have the clipping? <laughs> oh, it would be somewhere. Yeah. I don't. I haven't got it, but I think Anna's got it. My sister's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's. So, so then let's could we could we talk a wee bit about like some of the work that you that you got when you came here? But maybe, when we landed we have here, first? yeah, that's what's going. Should we have? Could we have another tune first, and then we'll talk about this kind of Australia okay. experience? If no that's worries, all right, yeah. that'd be brilliant. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
the name of that tune the fox hunters real fox hunters real yeah right do you remember where you learned that one well i got Just it of a, of a famous accordion player back in 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 tulla in east clare matty ryan right he used to play with the old tulla kelly band right he was a brilliant accordion player uh-huh. absolutely wonderful and uh and he had a lot of music but that was that was one tune i got off of him i loved it always loved that tune yeah yeah um is that style that you, the style with which you play that tune? Sound, it sounds quite like that Keeley band sound that I've heard. Y- yeah, Keeley bands play that type of music and for set dancing and that you know. Aye, aye. That that was a bit of a, a bit of a, an up tempo in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was what were you doing for work then? You come here with your family. You're living with Patty for a while, and then you mm-hmm. find a place for yourselves. Um, what did you do for work, and how did you oh, was find your feet? Plenty of work here at that time, but uh, but you had to work. It wasn't uh, computer work because <laughs> we knew nothing about it. <laughs> that my computer was a shovel, a pick and shovel, <laughs> and uh, and you you knock sparks out of that. That's that was uh, that was what we done. Um, Paddy was into the machinery. There was there was the odd machine uh, coming into into being. There were very few and far between at the time, but uh, Paddy actually got onto. A backhoe uh, for, and he was driving it for a, a neighbour of ours from home, and and um, he knew a lot of people, like because he he Paddy worked in the snowy mountains, and a lot of them lads came down here, and they they, they all got to know each other, and they all played hurling and football together. Mm-hmm. So it was nobody get work. All I had to do was go into the recreation hotel in Clifton Hill, or where the um, where the police station is there in the, in. The, in in the, in the city now there was the railway hotel was there and if you went in there on a Sunday night you'd meet all the diggers and you could get work anywhere you wanted it so long as you were prepared to work mm-hmm. but um, Dad and I worked together for a good while with the pick and shovel digging digging uh, water mains and um, and sewerage and that and how how was that working with your dad my w- working with Dad. Hi. Well, I worked with Dad in England. Aye. I worked with Dad in Ireland. We're building that house, Higgins's house, and then I worked with Dad in England, with a man, a neighbour of ours, Dennis Brady. He was a contractor there. We worked with him, and uh, and then I worked with Dad here. So we had a very close relationship, myself and my father. And to the day he died, um, we went fishing 
and gold prospecting in the in the Victorian uh, Golden Triangle every weekend. He was he was uh, he was he was more a, a, a friend than a father. Do you know what I mean? He was he was uh, he was a good man, a really good man. Anyway, so poor mum was the very same, and God rest the two of them. They're gone now, but um, I see a lot of young fellas. They they can't, they just can't seem to um, to stay around their parents or their dad so much, and I can't understand that because as a, I got on well, you know, we we from day one anyway we got on well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very sort of different experience to have your whole family here, though. That's a pretty wonderful. Mm. And they all came to Melbourne, and they all stayed in Melbourne, which is, which is uh, the best part of it, really, because everybody is only a, f- a phone call away, and they'll be there five minutes. You know, that's, so a, that's, it, a, that's a huge, a huge hole left in your community, though. In Ireland, yeah, that would have been tough on. on well, they, people, some of the neighbours told me when I went back because the Holland team suffered, the music suffered. Um, it, they did tell us that it was a, it was a sad loss the day the Fitches moved away because there was a, there was there was a, a lot of music and a lot of Holland and things going on around our house. You know, people had come there and, and it closed up then. Did. I was just going. Did you have a long family line in that in that parish? Um, well, Dad um, got that place from his from his uncle, um, a man called Mike, Michael Ryan. Dad came from the, the, a different mountain range called the Sleeve Octi Mountains. Uh, his uncle lived in the Sleeve Barnock Mountains, which is the opposite mountain range across from him, and. Um, and uh, he, he, well, he 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 got the farm, and and I was one year. I was what was I? One year old, I think, when they moved from Belnickill in County Galway, moved into the uncle's farm there. And um, I I kind of forget the first part of the question there. Sorry, what was the? Just it was sorry. The question was. Have you a a long family line in that parish, which is really what you were talking about then? You well, the, 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 this would be the uncle, the father's uncle that I never knew. But uh, but there is there's a huge long family line in the Schlieve, uh Octi Mountains where Dad came from, yeah. because uh, his parents were there and their parents before them. You know, um, of course, the problem is there were a lot of them gone before we we could get to know them. You know what I mean? Mm. But I still have uh, heaps of cousins back in Tulla, and uh, there's heaps of cousins there, because one of the one of Dad's brothers uh, married there, and he had a big family, so they they stayed around. Did did you? I mean, it seems obvious. Like, did you miss Ireland when you were when you were away? You know. Well, it, I did. I I did. But um, but you see. We had we had a family. We had a family here. With mum and dad here, we had the family here. We had made us umpteen friends. We joined the Holland teams here, and um, it was like home away from home, really. Aye, aye. But you're always anxious for home, and I, 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 I went back in '68, and um, it was kind of sad, really, when you go back and the old house empty, you know. But there was an uncle that stayed in it for a while, but he wouldn't be only there now and again, you know. Right. And 
you, 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 I was often anxious to get back here again. I was there was home. there was there a push and a pull about going there, going going back there, and then like because I've I've found I don't know if you've had the same experience, but I I find sometimes I'm I'm pulled back towards where where I'm from, but once I'm there, I feel like I don't really belong there anymore. You know what I mean? I feel it here, and uh, you see we. Well, it's like a young fella grown out of his trousers. I think we've grown out of our country a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it, I've, I've left Ireland 60 years on the 30th of January this year. And that's, that's a long time to be away from home. I, was only, I only spent 15 years of my life there. So, so, obviously, I know a lot more about Australia, don't I? Aye. But there's a lot to be said for a nice pair of pants. <laughs> like I've got pants from ten years ago that I not I don't think about them often, but I miss them. Yeah, well, uh, so, I, yeah. I so so what was the um what was the music scene like here there in the in the seventies then for you and Paddy? Here. Yeah, like were you playing for dances and things like yes. Paddy would do, or would you perf- would you perform a lot or? Oh yeah, there was dances going on up in St George's all here in, in Carlton, and um, the Paddy's wife's people—they all played music, and they were good musicians. They were very good, and um, uh, we had a bit of a band going, the Moonshiners or something, I think they called it, and there was dancing there every Sunday night, and to be dancing at St John's Hall, and and um, of course there'd be plenty of parties. There was a lot of young Irish coming out here that time because there was heaps of work in the snowy mountain and they'd be all up back and forward from the snow, you know, and there was lots of money. So there, were, there, mm-hmm. were, there, was, uh, there was really no, no, no need to be homesick, put it that way. Aye. When you were going out with your, with your dad, gold prospecting and stuff, Yeah. like, um, um, I'm trying to get, like, the the attraction of being out in the open air and being out in the country and yeah. out, out in the bush, yeah, you know, yeah. Because um, I, I mean, part of the reason I ask that is because I heard you singing a song, um, Andy's gonna droving in here one night, and it kind of got me thinking about about that and about just yeah. You know, do you do you feel an affinity when you get out of get out of the city and? Oh yeah, it's well we 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 were brought up in the country so. So it's just, it's only natural that you love to get back out to the country. I was never a city boy, but we had to be in the city because that's where everybody seemed to be working. Right. And um, I, lo- I love the bush. I, I still, to this day, love the bush. I go out there and make camp by myself now after the gold and the fish. And I go to Genderbine now and again, if you know where Genderbine is up in New South Wales, beautiful spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah lovely. Mm-hmm. Lovely country. Do you like do you like being on your own when you're? I don't uh, mind at all now. Yeah. I, I I miss Dad a lot for a while because we spend a lot of time together and and that. But uh, I don't mind it on my own now. I don't mm-hmm. mind it. It can be a bit hairy at times out there, but <laughs> you have to be out there where the gold is. You won't find it in Burke Street. What what <laughs> kind of prospecting are you doing? Are you metal detecting? Metal like, detecting. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever, did you ever? It's it's interesting. What reason I'm asking about that is my dad as a metal detector. Oh, yeah. And he was for years, yeah. but in Ireland. And then yeah. they went and they changed all the laws many years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. And outlawed it. So when he comes over here, he gets to scratch yes, yes. that itch. 
yeah. and it's a I got to go out with them one day and it, you do you go into some it's good isn't it it's I can see I can see the addictive nature oh, to it it's the Australian bush it. is a beautiful spot mm. it's just it's it's so sad about the bushfires yeah. it's awful because I hate to see that beautiful bush been all burned up but uh, I you know I lo- love the bush and you wake up there in the morning with the sunset in the bush it's so peaceful and the kangaroos and the birds it's something else it really is do you ever bring is. the box and then if you find a small bit of gold that is better here <laughs> <laughs> and would you would you sing us a song would you mind would you be up for well that? I'll try but I, I'm a bit croaky it doesn't I, have to be <clears throat> it doesn't have to be Andy's gone and it could be whatever you want well I'll, I'll try and do Andy because right. you, you heard it before and uh, <clears throat> I'll have a go at it Since Andy's gone with cattle now, our hearts are out of order. With drought to battle, he has gone to cross the Queensland border. He's left us in dejection now. Our hearts are with him roving. It's dull around the selection now. Since and is gone, a droving. Oh, oh, oh. Shall sport that cheerful face in times when things are slackest, and who shall whistle round the place when fortune frowns on blackest? And who shall cheek the squatter now when he comes round and smelling his tongue has grown much hotter now since our and is crossed the darling. Oh, the gates are out of order now. In storms their riders rattle. But far across the border now, our and is gone with cattle. Poor old auntie's frail and thin Old uncle's cross with worry And poor old blotcher howls all night Since Andy left Macquarie So may the rains in torrents fall 
and the water tanks run over and made the grass grow green and tall in pathways of the drover and may good angels send rains on desert stretches sandy and when the summer comes again God granted brings us Andy. Why I was so interested in the in in Andy's gone a droving is uh, is um, the, the, a lot of the cattle drovers came from the mount, from the mountain range, the Slievochty and the Slievebarnock Mountains, where we come from in in Clare, and. Uh, the, the, the Jurex were the first uh, famous cattle drovers that came from a place called Maharariq uh, between Scariff and Mount Shannon. And uh, they drove the cattle from Goldburn to southwest Queensland. And they, they, they lived there for 15 years and uh, the drought got them. After three years, they drove the cattle across the Gulf of Carpentaria. They crossed under the Gulf and they went into the Kimberleys and it took them two and a half years to drive the cattle across there. There was kids born, there was snake bite, there was kids killed, people killed, and there was uh, herds lost and, and calves born, put it that way. And they got half the herd across to the Kimberleys and um, they were known as the, as the famous Queensland Rovers. And a lot of them Queensland Rovers came from Maharariq, our country, uh, where I come from myself, and that's why I was so interested in Andy and these gone and drove him. Right. Yeah, f- famous, famous drovers. They were they, they were used to horses in the mountains back at home. They used to ride the horses bareback round the mountains. Did, you, be, did you ride yourself? Really I did indeed. It, you, what you do is you go up at night and the the horses it'd be, it'd be lying in the header, and there could be a group of horses, all different neighbours' horses. They'd be grain grazing on the commonage up in the mountain you see and they'd be settled in for the night so you stay up and jump up on the horse's back <laughs> poor horse would be frightened of its life jump up and off through the mountain riding the horse in the dark <laughs> that was our our computer that was so fun <laughs> but uh, that's why I loved Andy's gone a drover right. yeah right. because uh, he'd be definitely one of the the East Clare mountaineers yeah, yeah, that's. Um, so, this might seem like a funny question since we've been talking about family and missing home and things. So, I moved here a couple of years ago. I'm now fifty-one and a half, nearly fifty-two, and um, one of the things that I find difficult about moving here. Um, at the age of fifty, was the idea that the friends that I was leaving behind. I, I knew suddenly in my head I was kind of like, oh, I'm only going to see them for a certain amount of time now and again, between now and when, you know, you get older and you start losing some of them, you know, yeah. or you get lost yourself. <laughs> What's it like for you, like being in the city that you've spent so long in, 
you know, and going around the places that you knew, but having some of the people not be there anymore. You know what I mean? Just, uh, you, you, you mean the meeting the the old ones, or I mean, I mean, what's it like, like when when people. As you get older, you know you you start to lose some of your friends. People oh. die, people die, and and oh, you're yeah. still in the city, and you're still going to the places that you yeah. used to see, but but they're not there anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean? that is sad. That is terrible, and it's it's happening at home now as well. Uh, they're 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 leaving us fast. Uh, good uh, two good friends went there last year, and um, here, all most of the people that we knew was when we came in say that. The people that were around uh, 50-ish, f- uh, 45, 50-ish, when we came at, at, at teens, they're all, they've all left us now, and we had, to, we, we had the sad task of, of taking them to the, to the cemetery. And, and uh, you know, it's, it nearly becomes a full-time job. You'd know, we knew that many people. Mm-hmm. And um, it is very, it's very sad. The uh, uh, reservoir... The Reservoir Hotel was a great meeting place of ours, and a lot of the the, the Irish lads would meet there in the evening for a drink, and that. Uh, and we were going through the gang the other night, the gang that was there. And out of twenty or more that was used to come around there, there wouldn't be four left, you know. And I still, I'm luckily I'm one of the ones that's hanging in there. Paddy never went to the pub much. He was, Paddy was. Uh, a teetotaler and uh, he still has his confirmation pledge actually <laughs> and that's a fact he uh, wouldn't he wouldn't eat a uh, sweet cake if there was brandy in it but uh, I made up for that <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but that is that is the sad story about losing the, all the old friends and and uh, the younger the younger generation coming up they, they're just that you know they're still great people but they're still that little bit different to us you know, we had our old ways, and uh, and uh, and that, and as it's like the way we played the the old style of music. A lot of the young musicians today they have a new, uh, uh, an up to date style of music. Joe Buck called it the nineteenth century style and the twentieth century style. He said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. two different styles of music, mm. and mm. Uh, I could see where he's coming from. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, it is very, very sad. Uh, miss them all, miss them a lot, and uh, there's not much, much you can do about does, it. Does uh, does singing ha- help when you're kind of thinking about that? Enormously, it's the greatest therapy of all. I reckon sing, sing song and music. Um, you know, I think song and music is is uh, is great therapy. It's a great thing, and it's. I go, I go to the singing sessions uh, in in Clare when I go back, and they hold them all over the place there, and it's they're amazing actually. They're amazing how everybody is so quiet, how they all they're 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 all called they're they're uh, called in their turn and they stand up and they do their their party piece. It's beautiful, and every other thought in the world goes out of your mind while you're at that while you're doing that, and this here. Is a uh, is the very same the music the accordion. If I'm in in a bit of trouble, I sit down and play a few reels, and that's all I think about at that time. And what my mother gave me and my father. Father was father side was very musical as well, 
they, they didn't play instruments, but he used to play the, the juice harp or the Jew harp or whatever they call it, and he used to play the, the comb with the, with the paper over the comb, and, and, uh, so there were, and he was a good singer. So the music came from both sides of the family. The, mother, the mother's brother, Uncle Stephen, was a brilliant accordion player and uh, whistle player, and he actually played some music with the old Balnikil Kelly Band, which was one of the first Kelly bands probably ever, and they would have been definitely the first Kelly band that ever went to Carnegie Hall. Were they? Were they? Weren't they one of the first ones to be recorded? They were. They oh. were recorded in America, Aye. and they they, went, they played in Carnegie Hall in the fifties, and uh, they were. I I think they would have been the first Kelly band probably. Hey, yeah, well, the Kilfenora and the, the Tulla and all them, they came in later, you know, on the Ockram Slopes. There's so many now. Aye, aye. You know, I don't know what years they all started, but I know the Kilfenora self celebrated 100 years there not too long ago. So that's a long time, isn't it? It is a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you're, you know, I was asking you there about getting older and things, because that's been sort of on my mind, right? About when, yeah, yeah. when you get older, you're only young, like. Like I know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not as young as I was though. And then the, the um, like um, when you look back on your life, right, and times when you've made mistakes and stuff, how do you not kind of give yourself a hard time about that? You know, when you make mistakes and you you begin well, move on. I give myself a hard time about. Um, I was I was a, a hunter because we, we were we were brought up in the mountains and we were brought up to hunt because it went on the table. Aye. And uh, it, it went on the table a lot and and uh, I often think about it. Uh, you know, uh, you know the pheasant shooting come in and you'd be out there. Everybody was out and uh, you'd get your five or six pheasants or whatever. And I often think, man, why didn't we just get one pheasant and 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 let the rest go? You know what I mean? Now nowadays, I I find it hard even to get a fish. <laughs> you know, you know, as you get older, you find it more difficult to kill anything because uh, you suddenly realise they're they're as much entitled to be here as what we are. Do you know what I mean? But uh, I do. You know, but uh, yeah, that's something I do regret. But uh, there's a lot of things you regret. That uh, I still I still thank Australia for what it done for my family and for me and for myself. Um, I, I, I finished up with six children of my own and I finished up with nine grandchildren now and I'm, I'm very happy and they're all around Melbourne, every one of them is in Melbourne and, and uh, I don't think you could ask for much better than that and I went back, I went back in 2015 and the wife joined me and the old house, the old homestead was falling down and was covered in in bracken and bushes, you know, and uh, I I took it bad when I seen it falling down, and uh, and I I gave it a kiss of life, and uh, the wife came home, and I finished up uh, spending over twelve months there, and I, I brought it back to life again, and got the garden back to life, and the hedges back to life, and uh, I'm I'm proud that I done that now as well. So I have. It's a strange thing what I have. I was born in Galway. I was raised in Clare, so I have, I have two counties. We live just inside the parish of, of Ogunaloo, but I went to the school in the parish of Bodaik, and I played my holland there. So Ogunaloo, Bodaik, my two parishes, and I have Ireland and Australia, my two countries. So I have two of everything, and uh, and I, I I love them all. I love every place, 
and I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying going back there now and uh, and just walking around the mountains and remembering what what we did when we were kids brings it all back. Paddy came back last year, and we had a, a great time uh, talking, going back in history. You know, Mary. Um Mary McNamara and Eileen O'Brien when they were here uh, last mm. June yeah, and, and we were chatting to them and they were talking about playing with you and Paddy in here and they were saying about just how um, how they connect with you when through the music you know how, how people connect through the music it was a lovely thing yeah know, the, way, the way they described it, it was, yeah you know yeah. See, I think Eileen also said when you go home people go out to see you, to, to see you play. I she suppose said, a few do. She said, she said, oh, there's people that would, people that haven't been out for years will go out to see you. <laughs> ah, she might be only trying to get, build me up a bit. Uh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, would you give us another tune before we, before we finish? I will indeed. Thank will. you. Yeah. This has been brilliant. I've been looking forward to this for ages and it's just, it's so lovely to have a chance to talk to you and to hear you playing and singing. I'm delighted, so, but I, I'm just sorry that I, I came in with sand in my neck. <laughs> well, you sounded beautiful. <laughs> Suits you. No. Let's see if I will play this time. I don't know. That'd be lovely. <laughs>
you know what's interesting about doing these interviews um there are some of them where when you finish you're kind of tired because you've been concentrating for you know an hour and 10 15 20 minutes or whatever and you're listening really closely and you're engaging really closely and it's it's quite tiring and uh, you know emotionally tiring that interview i i just i i know what to say i loved it it was i was buzzing at the end of it i was kind of like i I mean i know that's that's all i gotta say i don't have anything else to say the audio is there that's it it's a thing it's a piece of art there it is boom and thank you joe fitzgerald for making that possible yeah Uh, thank you very much brilliant and thank you to Chris Fitzgerald in the last jar for making that possible too. Uh, so yeah, once again, look, we're at the very end. The podcast is about to finish. So obviously, you've enjoyed it. You've got this far. Please, 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 can you share it about? Let's let's get this thing into other people's hands because uh, that's the the way forward. We we get great reviews, and thank you for anyone that's going to give us reviews. We get great reviews week on week. We get an am- amazing responses, messages from all over the world telling us how much the podcast means. Message from. <laughs> message from Joanne Fleming in London who said of the, the episode that we played earlier of Mary, um, Mary McNamara and Eileen Brown she said it's the real nya so you can't get any higher compliment than that you can't so get out there share it the podcast is about to finish you'll hear the intro music coming up behind me right now this is the time when you start closing the app opening up your Facebook and type in that beautiful message to all your lovely friends good luck Hi, my name is Rosa. Please become a subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.